Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city. I love today. The theme is going to coincide with baby dedications. I believe people are the greatest gift that God has ever given us. Um, I have a list of God's greatest creations, and um, it goes like this. Love, or Jesus, okay, Jesus first. Jesus loved women. That's the whole, that's the whole, (laughs) the greatest of God's creations, because without women, none of us would be here. So I think that's... um, God is one who is generous, who is always giving, always looking for ways to give. We live in a world where we celebrate those who are generous, but we also celebrate those who are prudent. So this is not going to be very long, just a couple of nuggets about what I feel like God has given me for us today, thinking about how we are building things in heaven, that uh, Matt and Amanda sang about, God, I will build my life upon your love, that although we are on this plane and we're building things, we're building schedules, we're building out um, expectations, some of us are building out vacations, some of us are building out all these plans, but truly what lasts is what we build in heaven. Everything that we love essentially on this earth will become rust and will become dust, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, how things exist. How do we be those How do we be those? How are we those who build in heaven where everything there is eternal? In Acts 10, there is a a passage of a man named Cornelius who was a part of the first Gentile family that came to faith. Peter visited them after a series of supernatural occurrences and led his family to the Lord. They were the first, but he was also a wealthy man who lived in Caesarea, which was a very Romanized part of Israel. And he was a centurion, which meant he led over a hundred soldiers as a part of the Italian regiment. Yet instilled, he honored the Lord and mostly gave and was very generous. And as such, there are this, this puzzling phrases in this Um, verse. It says, there was a certain man at Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial or a monument before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent him to Joppa. So we know he went after a vision, saw all these amazing things, um, and they ended up coming to the Lord. There, is, there are obstacles to us being generous, and one of them is scary scarcity, that we are afraid of having not enough or expecting that we're going to have too little. There's a story of the widow 
um, who Elijah met and visited, who was scared of dying. But what happened is she made food for Elijah, and that created an opportunity for abundance. Now, it's very difficult for those of us who have grown up anywhere near poverty not to fear lack. It's always in the back of my head, and I know that God has provided for me and continues to provide for me and my family, but my wife will tell you, when my fridge gets a little empty, it doesn't matter what's in the bank account, I get nervous. I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. And we are living in a time where the... Scary scarcity is a reality. Baby formula is running out. Gas prices are high. Inflation is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? We still remember those early days of the pandemic when all the toilet paper was gone. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to go back to that. All these moments that we remember it being scarcity. How do we trust in an abundant God in these days that we exist in? How do we trust that he has us taken care of when every message is supposed to cause us anxiety and say and have us fear lack there's nothing that rises anxiety more is when we fear the things that we don't believe God will provide for us this is not a message to make anyone feel shame if they are um, don't feel they're as generous as they should be this is a message to say this is what we get to walk into as believers as those who love Jesus that it is a God who is not Moved by our fear, which is crazy. You ever find yourself in a place of so much concern about the future of things that are coming on, and it doesn't seem to get any better. It sort of feeds itself. But God is a God who is moved by thankfulness, who is moved by joy, who is moved by love. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. This is why worship is so amazing. No matter how your week went, If you have established a habit of coming in his presence and raising your hands, you know what? It allows him to work on your behalf when you surrender. That our worry and concern about things, uh, contrary to popular belief, does not help it. (laughs) We're like, I'm worrying. This is really doing something right now. This is amazing. It's it's happening. Things are happening. It's like, no, it's just a, a vicious cycle that we go through. And it it chokes our generosity. When we're afraid or we're anxious and we're thinking things are going to be scarce, how generous really can we be? We hold, we we close everything close to our chest, and we don't remember that when we are the most giving, we are really like God. That we are building something in eternity, these monumental gifts. I put this picture up, and I've talked about it sometimes. This is one of the paintings that I left on the street here in Chicago My name is Nathan. It's Bam, but it's also Nathan. Nathan literally means to give, so I didn't have a choice. You know what I'm saying? We will find and talk about kids today who are getting dedicated. They didn't have a choice what their name is going to be, but it will inform who they are. So we're going to dedicate them and pray for them and talk about what their names mean, and it's so important. If you don't know what your name means, look it up. Google it. It is very important to your personality. You will go, oh, that's why I'm like that. Oh, oh, that's where this happens. Anyway, my name is Nathan. I love to give generously, so I would make paintings and leave them on the street. Now I have postcards that I give out to people on the street. It's an aspect of God's nature that he's given me to reflect the world. The same for each and every one of you. He has given you a specific part of his nature to reflect 
in the world. It is so very important. That what do you think of when I say God is an abundant God? Do you inwardly scoff? Do you go, eh, 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 I don't know. I don't know, is it? Is it difficult for us to anticipate his goodness? Truthfully, this week, I have had a lot of disappointment. I've had, you know, some rejection. I've had hard things happen. I coach a baseball team. We got blew out yesterday. It was crazy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like 18 to 2. I'm like, all right, Lord, what are you trying to teach me right now? Okay. <laughs> to prepare better, probably. So, <laughs> A lot of disappointment, and it's, Am I able to still anticipate his goodness where I am? Am I still able to anticipate his generosity towards me? That he is not withholding from, it, from us. That we do get to build into eternity. And so shortly, this story in, in um, 1 Kings 7, 13 through 14, and Elijah Meets this widow. There's a famine going on in Israel, but God sends him to Zarephath, which is not in Israel. And this woman is making the last meal for her and her son. They're expecting to die, which is super morbid. But in the midst of it, Elijah comes and says, hey, make me a meal first, and then your oil and your flour will not run out. So we know how that works. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. Get ready to die. But first... (laughs) Make me a small loaf of bread for what you have done and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. This is not some veiled message to get you to go, you know, before you spend money on anything, you need to give to the church. This is a message to say that God blesses what we put in his hands, that he blesses the things that we cannot see. What is the best way to talk back to that demon, that voice of scarcity and fear with generosity? It's like, I'm going to show you, sucker. You think I don't have anything? It's like, oh, I got to pass this up. I can't do this. I can't think about what you're doing um, to give from my hand, whether it's time or resources or my talents. I can't, I can't, I don't have anything, God. You think about the widow's might, and Jesus said, surely she gave more than everyone. That is not about our amount. It is definitely about our heart. And I love saving. Saving is amazing, all right? It's wonderful. And thinking about um, being responsible and being prudent with all of our our resources that God has given us. Saving is good as long as it doesn't inoculate us from trust. Right? You know what I'm saying? And how do you trust when you have more savings and you're comfortable and you can do anything you want to do and you don't have to worry about scarcity or lack really? How do you trust? You trust through generosity. Right? God is saying give to this. Give to that. Give to this. And if you're going, ah, I don't know, God. I don't, it's an opportunity to trust his voice and to trust what he's saying and to trust that he's not going to lead you down a dark alley. I'm not telling you to listen to me. I am asking you to listen to the Lord, right? Because we learn with obedience that he is ready to do more for us. 
I, God asked me this question this week, and I don't, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Will you be generous without any earthly evidence of a return? This week I was in a gas station, and by, no, by design, they have an ATM next to a lotto machine, <laughs> next to a scratch-off scratch machine. I'm like, maybe we think that God is kind of like this, right? ATM machine next to a lotto machine. That sometimes I get things, I stick them into this lotto machine, and then I take out a scratch-off, and it may work or it may not work. The angel that appeared to Cornelius and said, your earthly alms and gifts have come up before the Lord and created a memorial meant that all that he had given at earth had made something in heaven. It doesn't mean that he manifested on earth. That all the gifts that he had given is manifest. I'm not here to tell you that you give and it's going to be poured out to you and you're going to be blessed and you're going to do all that. I know some very poor people who have given their whole lives. Tell you the truth. It may never manifest here on earth, but it is a generous heart posture of being like the Lord that tests every bit of our motives and tests every bit of our love for him. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. Then what I give should mirror that and it should reflect that out of the goodness that God has given us. So I'm going to finish up real quick, just that we are called to be like the greatest giver there ever was, and that is Jesus. One of my favorite verses, John 10, 17 through 18, I'm sure I've quoted this a million times and I will a million times going forward. The reason my, fa- the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Wow. Jesus had the choice to lay down his own life, to give all that he had. And I'm sure he was questioning whether this was going to (laughs) work. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane like, oh, God, you know, there's a lot of zeros on this uh, bill that I have. This bill seems a little too high. Is this actually going to work? Laying down your life of your own accord only to pick it up. This is, there's nothing more than the core of this at, at the gospel, the core of the gospel, which is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son who gave his life in turn that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have abundant, everlasting life. That we live in a transactional, bless you, consumerist world where we expect a return on everything we sow in. And I'm here to tell you that, um, you know, people like to reap and they like to sow and your blessing is on the way and God is doing this. You're going to get a car. You're going to get a house. You're going to do all this. The world is built on very pragmatic principles about saving pragmatic principles, about purchasing things, but the kingdom is built on generosity. And it's hard to build something that you haven't laid your eyes on. God is like, trust me, I'm doing something. I'm building something in you. And that these gifts 
become monumental in heaven. That they transfer and they translate small here. I mean, come on, man. This dude is just asking for money. He's always asking for money. Why should I give him money? What is he going to do with it? Is he going to steward it? Well, I don't think Jesus asked us all that. I don't think he asked us all that to be like going through it. My wife knows if I have cash, I give the cash. It's like it's not a, uh, a thing of, of, of putting myself above someone in poverty because it seems like I am a better steward. Because Jesus used to hang out with the poor folks and he knew who was a good steward and who was a bad steward. Because I could care less if I save all the money in the world and I have all the money in the world and all my relationships suck, which are important to God. That we can become so pragmatic that we forget the real generosity is for us to be resources to each other and to love each other and to be able to do that freely. You guys can go grab your kids who are having them dedicated. Um, So I love that Jesus was one as well who always kept the dignity of folks intact. That even as, you know, there's an opportunity for us to attach shame to what people have or what people don't have, Jesus protected, he covered people's dignity. Um, And I think That's why Jesus always asked people questions. Imagine asking someone uh, who's blind what they want. Imagine asking someone who's lame what they want. Why? Jesus wanted to protect their dignity and not say, I'm obviously above you. Let me make a choice for you. He protected the dignity of each and every person. And that life of generosity, I pray, is one that we lead. Earth, everything we struggle with on earth seems so big right now. Isaiah 66 says, earth is a Lord's footstool. Imagine all these things that we worry about. We get to heaven and we go, what? Like the pin of a needle? That's all all that was? Like all that concern I had? And this is my prayer for us, is that us as Missio Day Humble Park, that we cre- begin and continue to build into eternity. Because if you build into eternity, the here and now is going to be taken care of. And that's what I love about Jesus. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your extreme generosity, for the way that you love us into goodness. And even as we struggle through the things that happen in this world, let our lives be open to you. May we be those who surrender to you. We bless your holy name, Jesus. Thank you for children. Thank you for the gift that they are.
And thank you for the blessings that you've given us in each other, Father. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name.